Hey, uh, if, uh, in case you've been living off the grid for maybe the last 50, 60 years and you just re-emerged or uh, maybe you've just been airdropped from an alien spaceship because so you've been living in a different planet, money is a big deal in our lives. It's inescapable. You just need to be someone who maybe tunes in to the nightly news, which I don't recommend, uh, to discover that money is woven throughout the nightly news. You can pop open a news app and you'll see a lot of reports about the economy. You'll see updates about the state economy. You'll see updates about the national economy. You'll see updates about the global economy. And uh, when we watch those reports or read those reports, it's pretty normal that, that we have some, some kind of uh, thoughts and feelings that come of that. You know, we actually ultimately, I expect when we're, when we're seeing and being exposed to stories about the economy, we actually wanna hear that the economy is going well, that the economy is going up, that things are, are getting better. Because if, if the economy is getting better, then that should translate into your uh, wages perhaps getting better. Uh, maybe the, the value of your home is improving. Uh, maybe your investments and your superannuation balance is going up and not down. Uh, maybe if the economy is going well, uh, taxes won't increase. Um, maybe you'll have consistent job security if the economy is going well. And so it's quite normal to, to have those experiences and be reminded when we have those experiences that money uh, is, is, is inescapably woven throughout our lives. In fact, money can even have an influence on, on how we actually feel. You know, I wonder if, if any of you have ever found yourself feeling stressed or fearful in, in a stage of your life when you weren't even sure if you were gonna be able to meet your basic living expenses from one week to the next. That has an impact on our internal world, money. The reality is we can't control the economy. We have very little, if any, control over the economy, not the state economy, not the national economy, not the global economy. But one thing that we have enormous control over is what we're calling the economy, your personal economy. And your personal economy is largely influenced by the decisions that you make when it comes to finances. Now, we're launching this series today, as Jess said, and uh, those of you that know me know that I'm actually a pretty good money manager, personally, like managing our household's finances. I'm pretty good. Um, full disclosure, however, I wasn't always very good at managing money. I have made a lot of mistakes with money. So I'm actually teaching this series from somebody who, thank God, <laughs> has made a lot of progress, having made a lot of mistakes. When I was at uni, working a part-time job only, delivering pizzas, uh, I thought it was a good idea to buy a six-cylinder Holden Kingswood because, you know, that's gonna take a lot of my wage just to put petrol in. Dumb, dumb, dumb purchase. Uh, when I was working a, a, a reasonable uh, full-time job in my late 20s, I was starting to save some money and uh, I would loan friends of mine uh, reasonably sub substantial amounts of money uh, for no uh, interest repayments personally and, and on just a handshake. Uh, I, lent, I lent, loaned one person uh, $10,000. I loaned another friend $12,000. I had a friend that wanted to buy a new car. I lent them $15,000. The terms are just a handshake, no interest and pay me back when you can. I was a good friend. 
<laughs> I seem to actually get more and more friends in that season of my life. I purchased things throughout my 20s that I couldn't afford. Uh, and I purchased things that I could afford that were just plain stupid things to purchase and therefore a waste of money. Um, out of uni, I, uh, I played in a band for two years as my source of full-time employment. And, and the problem is I have next to zero musical ability. And, and I, my choice to, to, to try and pursue a musical career uh, when I should have been actually doing something I was good at and earning money that way was very, very, very stupid, stupid decision. So that's me. I'm teaching... This series is somebody who, thank God, has progressed a lot in this, in this area of managing my personal economy. And what I want you to know ahead of time, because when we talk about money, some people get a little bit, is I and God don't want something from you throughout this series, but instead, want something for you. Because what I've discovered is as I've applied God's principles to managing my personal economy, that stress has gone down, tension, marital tension has gone down, peace has gone up, freedom has gone up, and purpose with the money that God's entrusted us has and continues to go up and and that's what we want for you for this series. So well done being here today and I wanna strongly encourage you, if I could make you, I would, be here for every week because we're actually gonna teach as much as we can, teach, I dare not say all of God's principles when it comes to money, but certainly many of his principles because it's not just one. And in fact, some people think that the only thing God has to say about money is that he wants you to give it to him. And that's a slice of what God says about money, but it's not the whole puzzle piece. And we've even said last week that our goal for this series is to make money fun again. And wonder, maybe think back to a time when money was fun for you. A couple of years ago, we were visiting with some friends and uh, they had a, a couple of lemon trees in the backyard and, and, and the lemons were just dropped all on, on the floor. And, and I knew that the husband and wife, they both were working full time. They'd been uh, breeding like rabbits. So their house was run, overrun with little people. And, um, and so I knew that picking up lemons was not high on their priority list. So I said to their eldest uh, boy, who's, who was six years old, I said, listen, buddy, um, see all those lemons that are on the floor down there? If you pick them all up, I'm gonna give you 20 bucks. And he looks at me and he says, I'm gonna be rich and bolted full steam ahead towards those lemons lying on the floor. No doubt thinking of all of the things he's gonna be buying with his newfound wealth once he picked up those lemons and got $20. And you may not have had me giving you 20 bucks for picking up your dad's lemons. But you know, do you remember back a time when grandma gave you 20 bucks for Christmas and you were like, man, this is gonna buy me a lot of lollies. Wow, 20 bucks, big star. Money was fun back then. Maybe money, the last time money was fun for you was when you graduated from university, got your first job and got your first paycheck. And for the first time in four years, dinner that night was not two minute noodles. And you thought, wow, living the dream. 
So let me preview what we're gonna be talking about over these four weeks. Some of you have your force field up because you're terrified that God wants something from you and I am here promising that God ultimately wants something for you. Let me tell you what we're gonna be teaching on. So you can make your mind up, A, whether to be here and B, whether if you're gonna be here, whether you're gonna let your force field down and let God penetrate your heart and your mind. We're gonna be talking about debt because God has a lot to say about avoiding debt. God has a lot to say about getting out of debt if you're already in debt. God has a lot to say about how to stay out of debt once you're out of debt or if you're not in debt, how to not get into debt in the first place. So we're gonna be talking about debt. And by the way, we've talked about that, about debt a couple of times in the last two or three years and a number of our households have taken on what God had to say about getting out of debt and staying out of debt. And, and you know what? The big win for them is it set them free because debt limits your options. When you're in debt, Money doesn't serve you, you serve money because you're paying back what you spent with interest on something you probably bought that's actually losing value, incidentally. We're gonna be teaching about saving and investing. Do you know God actually has a bit to say about saving and investing? And yes, we are gonna talk about generosity, but once again, not because God wants something from you, God actually promises that generous, the world of generous people actually grows larger and larger. And what God wants for you is an expanded, rich, vibrant life that generous people actually step into. So that's what we're gonna be teaching. So force field down, that's up to you. We're gonna be teaching out of the ancient book of Proverbs. Now the ancient book of Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was considered to be the, mo- the wisest person that's ever lived, except for Jesus himself, the wisest person that ever lived. And, and Solomon wrote what we now call the book of Proverbs, which are actually a collection of, of, of sayings and thoughts and principles for living. And Solomon in this book of Proverbs, he talks about uh, principles for, for health, uh, principles for relationships, including marriage, principles for raising children. He, he talks about practical life principles for, for your job and, and, and how to earn money. <laughs> One of his big subjects is practical life principles for what to say and not say and how to say it and manage your words. And threaded through the ancient book of Proverbs are a lot of principles to do with how we manage the finances that God's entrusted to us. So let's start at Proverbs chapter three. If you've got our app, uh, you can pop open the Bible tile and it'll take you to Proverbs chapter three. If you haven't got our app, you can download it, encourage you to do so. Not only does it have the Bible baked in there, uh, easier than ever, but it's got, uh, for example, our podcast. You can listen there. It's got, if you're ready to take a next step, uh, tap that. It's got our Elevate Group notes, which will make sense. We launch our Elevate Groups in the second quarter and uh, some other resources in there as well. But Before I dive into that, and while you're opening that, here's God's big idea when it comes to money. You listening? If you hear nothing else over these four weeks, I need you to hear this. Listen closely, lean in. I'm only gonna say this once, kids. Here's God's big idea when it comes to money. God owns everything, including money. God entrusts us with some of it. And 
The stuff he entrusts us with, he asks us to manage it on his behalf. He's the owner, this is the relationship. He's the owner and we're the manager. And that's one mistake that we make. We think when the money's in our bank account that we're the owner, but if you understand how God set it up, it's that he's still the owner and he blesses us and entrusts us to be the manager. And a question that I find myself asking in in my own head, and I'm gonna ask it hypothetically, for us this morning. If you're scrolling through seek.com or Indeed and you're looking for jobs and, and, and one pops up and it's, and it's been posted by God and God's looking for a money manager. He's posted a job, he's looking for a money manager. If you send him your CV with all of your credentials of how you manage money, would you get the job? If you were God, would you employ you (laughs) to manage His money? That's a big question. I ask myself that all the time because the weight of understanding that comes with huge responsibility. Not huge stress. It's not meant to be a stress or a burden. It's meant to though be a huge responsibility that I understand that the money that God entrusts me is His. And my job's to manage it and manage it well. Well, if that's the case, and I believe it is, the, the best thing I can do is find out how God would want me to manage His money. That would be the starting point for me. What is God, does He have any pro tips for me if I'm to manage what's His? And the good news is He's got a bunch of pro tips and let's tee off with this one this morning. Proverbs chapter three, written by Solomon. Verse 13, joyful, you like that? Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages better than gold. And because you and I live in a 21st century Western culture, this should be, have we got that? This should be incredibly jarring. To, to, to read this should be incredibly jarring because we live in a culture that's, that says joyful is the person who gets a pay rise. Joyful is the person that just bought a new car. Joyful is the person that just upgraded their house. And yet Solomon backs the truck right up And he says, he doesn't rip on silver or gold. However, he declares in very black and white terms that something that's even more valuable and more profitable than silver and gold, than pay rises, than new cars, than new homes, than uh, superannuation balances going up, is wisdom. That wisdom should be the thing that we pursue more than anything. Because Solomon understands that if you lack wisdom and gain more money, like Biggie Small says, more money, more problems. And so our wisdom needs to actually not just keep pace with our better jobs, better superannuation, bigger bank balance, but actually stay ahead of it. And in that way, wisdom is more profitable 
than gold or silver. And you know this already. You know this. Because have you ever got a, a pay rise, maybe from a promotion or, or, you, or you stepped into a new job that, that paid you more and uh, within six months, you had no additional savings? You, you'd managed to find a home for every additional dollar you got and that home was not your bank account? More, more money didn't, didn't actually change anything for you if you lacked wisdom for how to best apply it. And, and, I'm, and I'm sitting up here, this was a thing that I did very poorly in my 20s. My first job out of uni, full-time job, I was earning gross per annum $20,000. Yes, even back then, 75 years ago, that was still minimum wage. And yet I managed to survive on minimum wage. Well, within four years, I'd moved uh, industries and I'd got a promotion. I was earning $38,000 per annum. Nearly double what I was earning in my first job, $20,000 per annum. And yet four years later, I managed to upgrade things in such a way that I wasn't banking the extra $18,000. I found a home for every one of those $18,000 and that home was not my bank account because at that season in my life, whilst my income level was rising, my wisdom level was not. And I missed enormous opportunities to manage money the way God would have me manage it. Because the thing that's more important than how much you earn is actually how you manage what you earn. Greater wisdom will teach you to not spend more than you earn. Greater wisdom will teach you to invest wisely. Greater wisdom will teach you to honor God with the first and the best and trust Him to bless the rest. Greater wisdom as parents, I, my parents managed, they were very, uh, also worked very um, uh, low paying jobs respectively and, and they made things work. The thing, and, and so we're incredibly good at managing uh, modest wages. Um, but they never taught uh, my brother and I how to manage money. It, it was, you weren't allowed to talk about politics, religion, or money. And, 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 and wisdom for you as parents will lead you to actually train your child in, from a young age in how to manage money God's way so that hopefully they're gonna avoid maybe some of the mistakes you made and maybe some of the mistakes their peers are gonna make into the future, put it on the table. Wisdom does that. And these principles we're gonna be teaching, like this one right here, they've been hidden in plain sight for thousands of years. <laughs> and one of the paradoxes is whilst we should pursue wisdom, it actually requires a level of wisdom to pursue wisdom. <laughs> Because uh, one of the commonalities about wise people is wise people, even though they're wise, part of their wisdom lies in the fact that they realize they don't know everything. And part of their wisdom lies in the fact that because they realize they don't know everything, they actually seek out wise principles and wise people to actually learn from, to actually upgrade their knowledge, upgrade what it is. It takes wisdom to pursue wisdom. But the reason it takes wisdom to pursue wisdom, and even if you've already got a bit of wisdom, is simply this, we can always grow in wisdom. In fact, it was one of the things that was said of Jesus, of all people, Jesus, 
Luke 2, 52, look it up for yourself. It said of Jesus that, that, that from the age of 12 to the age of 30, it was written of him that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Even Jesus grew in wisdom. So it takes wisdom to pursue wisdom. The good news is and why it's worth pursuing is you can actually grow in it. Even if you're the wisest person in the room here, you can still grow in wisdom and that's the good news. Now wisdom isn't the same as knowledge. Knowledge is knowing the facts. Wisdom is applying the knowledge. Primary school kids don't know everything, but sometimes their wisdom belies their years, and you see this with some of the answers they give in tests. Here's an example. In a maths quiz, name the quadrilaterals. Bob, Sam, Kate, Harry. You can't, you can't fail that kid, that's fine. That's actually wisdom that they got that correct. Or this one, where was the American Declaration of Independence signed? At the bottom, see that, that's wisdom. You can't, you, you have to pass that kid. Or this one here, what ended in 1896? 1895, like. <laughs> wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Wisdom peeks around the corner and examines the consequences. Wisdom asks the question, when I get around that corner, do I want things to be better or to be worse? Because I've got some decisions I can make before I get around that corner, particularly when it comes to how I manage money. And wisdom says, before I get there, what sort of consequences do I want? And, 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 and wisdom will steer you and guide you to making the sorts of decisions, and we're talking here in the context of of your economy, of your personal economy, that's gonna actually have preferable consequences and not detrimental consequences. So pursue wisdom. It's more profitable than gold, more valuable than silver. There's a principle right there. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 13, Solomon wrote this. Wealth, here's some wisdom when it comes to money. Wealth from get rich Quick schemes quickly disappears. In contrast, wealth from hard work grows over time. Uh, ignore the little uh, reference at the bottom, that's wrong. Whoever did that, it's gonna get a stern talking to from me when I get home by myself, because it was me. <laughs> stupid, stupid. That's Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Fake news at the bottom. Beware of the job listings that tell you you can earn more money than you've ever dreamed of working from home in your pajamas for less than five hours a week. Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. In contrast, wealth from hard work grows over time. If that principle is true when it comes to how we earn money, that principle is also true with how we invest money. <laughs> you may not get through this life without having someone say to you, hey, you should invest in this. And they tell you something and you think to yourself, wow, that sounds too good to be true. Well, 
Wisdom suggests it almost always is too good to be true because people with great ideas don't come to you and ask you for your measly $1,000. They go to venture capitalists and banks and ask them for hundreds of thousands of dollars, but the banks won't give it to people with shonky get-rich-quick schemes, so they come to you. And I want you to understand, and Solomon wants you to understand, and God wants you to understand, that there is a difference between speculating and investing. Was uh, hanging out with a friend a few weeks ago and uh, they were telling me about this app that they just downloaded the week before that gave them the opportunity to invest into cryptocurrency. Now cryptocurrency, there's a whole thing about that, Bitcoin, more, et cetera, other avenues as well. If you don't know about it, that's fine. I'm not gonna get into it here, but this friend of mine wanted to get into it. And so they downloaded an app. And he, and he said to me, yep, download the app to invest in, in some, in, he used the word invest, <laughs> in some cryptocurrency. And I invested $700. And at the end of the week, I lost all $700. And I said to him, you, you idiot, that's not investing, that's speculating. Or can I be even more plain? That's gambling and you lost $700. Now, let me compare my friend's unwise approach to a product that's available in the Australian marketplace called Acorns. Now, I'll put that up there, uh, Zodboy. Let me, uh, full disclosure, we've got the next one. Uh, there we go. Now, full disclosure, Louis and I actually invest into this. This is not investment advice, <laughs> but you need to know I'm, a convert that this is a wise approach. It might not work for you, I'm not giving advice, I have an economics degree, I could give it to you, but I'm not. But I'm just giving to this, this to you as a, by comparison. Here's Acorns, Acorns Australian investment platform. The way Acorns work, there's a few moving parts to it, but in very, very basic terms, and this uh, iPhone, Neil, notice they hide the Android phone because you know that's not a selling point for anybody. On this, on, the way this, this uh, investment platform works, Essentially, there's two ways it works. The name, if you understand squirrels and how they operate, that's the basis of the name, that squirrels find acorns and they put them in a tree and so they've got them and no one else can get them. And they just take one acorn at a time, apparently. I'm not a squirrelologist, but if I was, that's probably what I think it would do. Um, the way acorns works is two things. They have a feature called roundups. You link your spending account, not your savings account, by the way. They are two different things. Don't be thinking your savings account is your savings account if that's what you use for spending. It's your spending account. More on that next week. You link your spending account, and if you shop, when you shop with your spending account, if, if what you buy is less than an even dollar, so let's say you've bought something for $9.95, Acorns will round it up to $10.00 but it won't be charged to you at the checkout, they will take five cents, the extra five cents, and put it in your Acorns account. Which when you think about it, if you bought something for $9.95, if that had cost you $10, you probably would have paid for it. But what's happening in this case is you're buying it for $9.95 and you're actually investing five cents. You're actually paying yourself five cents. So that's one of the features. And so every time you go to the shops, Every day, every other day, once a week, whatever it is, you can just swipe your card and a little acorn gets put in your little hole in the tree. Very simple. 
And then the other thing you can do is you can actually choose to invest periodically. So it might be on your pay cycle and you can choose what amount. You can choose to, to invest in a dollar. If you get paid fortnightly, every fortnight, throw me a dollar, uh, $50, whatever it is. And, and, and now I'm making the point here that compared to my Bozo friend's app with these cryptocurrency that he gambled $700 and a week later it was gone, that, that this is built on the same principle that Solomon talked about, that wealth built over time is the way wise people invest their money. It's good, huh? So simple. Man, Mark, not me, I mean, I am, but uh, this is, is so simple. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And I wanna help you with one more thing. I'm helpful, guys, what I do. One more thing. If you've ever said to yourself or to your spouse or to a friend, man, if I could just win the lottery, if I could just win the lottery, all of my financial problems would be over. If you've ever said that to yourself, if you've ever thought that to yourself, if you've ever said that to somebody, if I could just uh, win, maybe just division two, doesn't even have to be division, just, if I could just win the lottery, all of my financial problems will be over. If you've ever said that, if you've ever thought that, here's what I want you to do. Here's some homework. Go home, get on your little Google machine and type in, this is the phrase I used this week, lottery winners who blew through their money. That was my search query. Lottery winners who blew through their money. Lottery winners who blew through their money. And before my very eyes flashed an almost endless list of lottery winners who blew through their money. And I don't wanna sound judgy, but let me tell you about Dave Edwards. Dave Edwards won $27 million. And I'm sure Dave Edwards, when he won $27 million, thought, man, all of my financial problems are solved. Well, he spent two of those $27 million buying himself a private Learjet. Uh, he kept that private Learjet uh, fueled at all times with a pilot at all times, just in case him or any of his family or friends wanted to take a quick vacay somewhere. Well, Dave Edwards died 12 years later, penniless. Because here's what happened. Dave Edwards' wisdom didn't keep pace with Dave Edwards' newfound wealth which is why Solomon at the very, very outset tells us to pursue wisdom before we pursue money, to, 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 to have wisdom, not just keep pace with our income, but actually keep ahead of our income so that over time, it's not the lottery that's gonna be your saving grace, it's wisdom, it's consistency, it's week on week, month on month, decision on decision, year on year, applying wisdom to how we manage God's money. And maybe, just maybe, he'll let us keep the job if we do it his way. Now, 
one of the principles, and we're gonna save it for the fourth week, one of the principles that God has a lot to say about is giving and generosity. And I haven't taught on it today and I, and I don't have time to teach on it today. We'll teach on it in the fourth week. And no, we didn't leave it to the fourth week just to soften the blow. Oh, suck it me in. That's the giving week. Oh, gee, I'm sure, I hope I've got something on that day. And apologies, Mark. I can't be here next week because uh, uh, I have a fictitious event I have to, t- to go to. But actually, I just want to avoid you talking about money and giving. And, and, and that's not the reason it's fourth. But here's the thing. When we talk about giving, it's not because God wants something from you. It's because God wants something for you. And we've got people here. Some of you are people who, who your story when it comes to giving is when you made a decision to start giving, you experienced new freedom. You experienced new purpose. Your paycheck didn't look just like something that was gonna go to Telstra and Woolies. Your paycheck now was gonna go to reaching more and more people with the message of Jesus. Some of it, not all of it. Probably need to say that. (laughs) My whole paycheck? No, just the first and the best. Give God the first and the best and trust Him to bless the rest. And thankfully, one of the areas that I grew in wisdom in, in my 20s, is I started trusting that this principle of giving God the first and the best and allowing him to bless the rest was actually his way of me and Louis managing our money. And for several decades now, we've given several decades. Yep. Uh, A couple of decades. I'm not that old. Um, And I was late to the bus on this one, but I got there is trusting him, somehow God makes 90%, having given him the first 10%, makes 90%, not just go further than 100%, but but more fun. Because we actually release money into God's kingdom. So we're gonna do a real practical thing right now. I'm gonna give you the opportunity, us the opportunity to give right now. There's a few ways. I wanna just highlight this, by the way. There's an envelope orbiting near your posterior Inside of that envelope is this slip. Some people have missed that in the past. I want to just let you know that you can use this to give via credit card or you can use this to start, kickstart your direct deposit because it has our bank details on there. So that's what that form is for. If you wanna give cash, in a moment, our hosts are gonna pass buckets. You can just drop the cash in um, or you can put it in the envelope. It really doesn't matter. Uh, but if you wanna start giving or by direct deposit, which is how Louis and I give, and actually, by the way, how most of you who do give regularly give, um, you can take our bank details, take a practical step, get on your banking uh, app, banking website, and set that up. Um, if credit card is your thing, or debit card, by the way, you can give via our app, which, by the way, is far more secure than writing your credit card details on here, because we've actually got a few shady people who'll probably steal your credit card details. And, uh, but if you use our app to give via credit or debit card, they don't have that option. Um, so it's up to you. Yeah, let's pray. God, I thank you that we get the opportunity to, to not just wander aimlessly through the dark or not have to just find our own way when it comes to managing money and managing our personal economy, but you actually have put principles, time, tested, wise principles hidden in plain sight. And God, we get the opportunity to, to, to drill into them. We get the opportunity to, to learn from them. And God, I pray that over these next four weeks that, that we don't uh, first and foremost become better money managers, God, but ultimately we fall more in love with you and we grow in wisdom that will see our lives 
being lived with more freedom, more joy, more peace, and more purpose than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.